I can bring you in warm. Or I can bring you in cold. This is where the fun begins. Hello everyone, and welcome back to Jedi Knights, JoyClick's official Star Wars podcast. I'm your host today in the Han Solo seat. My name's Christian Buckley. I'm joined, though, by my Chewy in life and in co-hosting, Mike Connors. How are you doing? I'm doing well, man. I'm excited. Uh, we're, we're recording at a different time today, so I have, like, different vibes. Um, I think we were just talking. It's the morning, so we normally don't do the morning recordings, but... Um, we were talking about, um, you know, potentially what if we had our own morning show? And that's kind of like the energy that I'm channeling right now sure. for our uh, Star Wars morning edition of Jedi Nights. So, you, you Jedi s- mornings. You see the, the traffic on the 405 on Coruscant today? Uh, I mean, I got stuck in it. I was almost late to, you know, level 2013. Oh, so, man. you know. That's unfortunate, you know. It just these these kids with their speeders, you know, you can never predict what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, Christian, actually, do you want to you want to cut to the sky cam over uh, the Jedi Temple? <laughs> <I'm just> uh, <laughs> <kidding>. <laughs> Man, I should have I should have pulled a graphic for that because I could have just like transitioned that to that scene. That would have been so nice. Um, how you doing? Uh, I'm good, man. I'm really good. Um, you know, just happy happy to be back. Happy to be talking about some Star Wars. I'm really excited for the topics that we have today. Yes, um, some new some new stuff that we've we've been hoping to see some we've been hoping to see some some news come from it and uh really excited to give our own opinions on today how are you man i'm doing good you know um like we talked about i think we said this either on air or off air last week but surprised that there's at least something notable to talk about usually every week and i think this week news wise there's some very interesting things to talk about because we do have some new quotes from leslie headland the lead showrunner for star wars acolyte and her inspirations from the prequels, no less, uh, as oh. well as Star Wars Visions. We got our first look at it, very exciting, and some Star Wars gaming news, of course, before we get to the Bad Batch. But Mike, we're going to kick the show off the way we always do with our segment from the Jedi Archives, where we pull from the sacred texts of Wikipedia to educate each other and the audience on something in Star Wars lore, canon, legends, what have you. What did you bring this week? So I chose um, an alien species that I believe appears in both canon and legends. Uh, the name of the species is the Gran. Have you heard of them? The Gran? I don't think uh, so. With an M or an N? Def- with an N. Uh, okay. So G-R-A-N. You've definitely seen them before because I wasn't familiar with the name, but once I saw the photo, I was like, wow, okay. They have like three eyes. Um, they, they Trust me. Trust me when I say that when you look at a photo of them, yes. you'll, you'll recognize them. Uh, but they were sentient mammalian humanoids native to the planet Kinyan, though they had colonies across the ga- galaxy, including settlements on the planet Hawk and Malastare. Um, they had three eyes, a goat-like snout. Uh, they weighed on average about 80 kilograms. I don't know what that, what that is, because I, I don't know kilograms. Yeah, but... <laughs> we're, dumb, we're dumb Americans here. Yeah, dumb, dumb Americans. Um, but I, w- I would guess, you know, maybe that's heavy. I have no idea. Um... But yeah, these guys, I think were mostly, you know, when I'm trying to think about like where I've seen them, I think like the prequels in a lot of like, sure. Senate shots, maybe. Um, yes. But I, other than that, I don't think that there's been like a, a grand main character. I did look. To my, to my knowledge. Yeah, I did a quick Google image search just to make sure that you were correct. And I did know what you were referring to. Um, 
definitely saw it's some prequel outfits. Right? Yes, you have to see it. Definitely saw some prequel looking uh, costumes and makeup, as well as what looked like the Resistance art style. So potentially there's a notable Gran in Resistance. I wouldn't know. I haven't watched Resistance, but uh, a good pick, a good species. Yeah, man. I mean, I think they uh, they definitely don't get the the fanfare that some other species do. So shout out to the Gran. Yeah, and it's what funny you, though. Because oh, like, sorry, what'd you say? They are iconic, right? You see that, you're like, oh, that's that Star Wars alien right totally yeah yeah but it's just weird because like you don't know mm-hmm. like I, at least i didn't really know the name of their species but for sure like you look at them and you recognize them because they are very unique looking mm-hmm. um I, I just you know i think we should get maybe get a grand jedi let's let's That'd do cool. that uh what'd you pick my man i pulled the seventh alsacan conflict i absolutely thought it was alaska oh, man. i'm <laughs> an idiot um so the seventh uh, Alsacan conflict uh, happened in ten nine six seven BBY. It lasted one year. The seventh Alsacan conflict, also known as the renunciation of the Pious Dea Civil War, was one of the several conflicts between the planets Alsacan and Coruscant and their respective allies. The seventh war, sorry, the seventh was a war between the Galactic Republic under the control of Pious Dea religious group and their enemies, including the Jedi Order, Alsacan and many alien species that had been persecuted by the Pious Dea cult. Uh, the conflict resulted in an Alsacan Jedi victory with the removal of Pious Dea from power and replacement of the Pious Dea leader, Constapex Nineteenth, with Jedi Grandmaster Biel Ductavis as Supreme Chancellor. Interesting. I've never even heard of the Alsacans or like the planet of Alsacan before. That's really interesting. Me either. I'm looking for sources right now. Um, Tinker Taylor Soldier Praji on hyperspace. Content removed from StarWars.com and unavailable. I don't know what this is from. Interesting. It might be. It's probably like a, a Legends thing. It's got to be right. Uh... Um, it was so it was mentioned in a codex entry in star wars the old republic oh interesting interesting i mean i'm looking myself at the wikipedia page and there are like lots of it's very detailed about it so i'm I'm very interested in this um i I honestly never even knew this was a thing and also the fact that there were alsacan jedi that came (laughs) i don't know it just seems weird that they were like factionized to like their own planets during that time um, yeah very strange but cool mm-hmm. well um that was a fun little segment as always every week excellent picks but what i want to transition to actually is funny enough coincidentally tied to star wars the old republic did not plan that but oh wow. uh earlier last week sorry later last week earlier this week there was a leak for ea play live which is ea's e3 showcase that should be happening this summer it is happening this month i believe somewhere around the 20th maybe the 22nd but there was a leak um and through r slash gaming leaks and rumors which you know not always the best source um somebody said hey there's a big expansion celebration coming to star wars the old republic the mmo this year because it's 10 years and then this reveal apparently was supposed to happen at EA Play Live, but because it leaked, the official accounts for everything for Star Wars The Old Republic were like, you know what, 
send the send the press releases out. Let's do it now, and we'll show it at EA Play Live. So Star Wars: The Old Republic: Legacy of the Sith is the Ooh. big initiative for the 10th anniversary celebration. We can get into it in a second, Mike, but first off, did you see this? I know you have history with this MMO. What's up? So, no, I actually did not see this. Um, I, I do have a history with this MMO. Um, there are people out there who play it way more religiously than I ever have. Mm -hmm. uh, there was like a probably like a week period where I like played it pretty, pretty consistently. So, I mean, like... Uh, I, I was never really into like the expansions that they put out. Um, I know that they have previously, um, but this seems really cool. I, I kind of, I expect something to come out of, um, you know, when these anniversaries happen, mm. like these 10 years anniversaries happen, I, I sort of expect them to celebrate that and market in some way. Um, so them doing this makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, it's one of those things that, it sort of just like has always existed in the background. Um, Star Wars: The Old Republic. Um, it existed prior to the Disney purchase of Lucasfilm, um, and so I wonder like how long Disney Lucasfilm is going to keep putting this or, or keep giving. I think it's like what Bioware or something yes. that has the rights to it. Yeah, like I just wonder how long they're going to keep this up for. Um, I mean, it doesn't seem like they have any plans on stopping it anytime soon. And, I'm interested in like at least looking at it. I know that the Old Republic um, expansions usually get accompanied by like a really cool cinematic trailer mm -hmm. <laughs> that I've watched. So, um, I mean, I, I don't think I'm going to be jumping into it, um, but it's it's fun to see this like still going on because I know a lot of people like it. Yeah, and just uh, just a comment on what you're talking about of like the canonness of it, right? I've actually had the chance to talk to somebody who worked on the dev team when the game launched ten years ago, mm. and um, mm. I, I might be paraphrasing, but I believe from our conversation they were like, "Hey, yeah." So at the time, even we were doing this, and it was like we know it's not like canon because the game did launch before the Disney purchase, right? But even yeah. back then, they were operating under the assumption of like, hey, this isn't like the sacred text of George Lucas, right? Like, this is a new thing we're doing to adapt this and have some fun here. And it's honestly, I bet the reason it has been, I know they don't work on it anymore, but uh, since then, Disney did purchase it, right? So I think the reason yeah. it's stuck around is just because it is financially successful and there is a clear understanding that like, hey, yeah, this is not canon, but non-canon things can still have worth in star wars uh, as we've discussed plenty of times and even on the disney side they're working with del rey to republish some of the legends novels we talked about that last week so like it's it's cool that it hit 10 years right mmos are a really tough genre to permeate in through with gaming it's basically yeah. world of warcraft and final fantasy 14 and then you get, I think, on this level, stuff like Elder Scrolls Online, Star Wars The Old Republic, uh, other stuff that's like this, that's like a license will help it. But it's cool that it hit 10 years. That's a big milestone. Yeah, it is a very cool milestone for sure. I just think, um, I guess the point that I was trying to make was when Disney purchased Lucasfilm, it seemed like they kind of went scorched earth in their policy, right? They completely mm -hmm. made... All, you know everything that was canon before like immediately into legends they decanonized all that kind of stuff um they canceled 
for, to my knowledge, I think they canceled like a few video games that were like in the works and all that yep. kind of stuff. So it is it is cool to see that like this has sort of survived and people obviously, you know, take it pretty seriously and a lot of people play it. So um, and like you said, Christian, very good point. Like that's not like they're losing money off of it. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, it's it's fun. Um, I just think that it's, it's interesting because like you know, because it has its roots in Star Wars and it has its roots before the Disney purchase, it does have like sort of connections to things that were canon previously, like Darth Revan and all that kind of stuff. Um, so in a way, I feel like it's sort of like a pseudo canon kind of thing. Like it's sort of canon if you if you want to believe that. <laughs> um, but it's 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 not technically. Mm -hmm. um, but I do think it's, it's cool that they're keeping it going and everything um, to another 10 years, hopefully. Yeah, I mean... Some of the stuff they're adding here seems like, hey, this is for the, these are updates to help the game survive long term for for the community because um, I I have a little bit of experience with this game, right? I played like a Sith warrior for about a week, like you did, and I was I really liked it. I loved the story stuff, but I also have a history with Marvel Heroes Omega, which was a Diablo like Marvel Marvel game. And when the game was getting close okay. to ending, they kind of just was like, you know what, screw all the rules, whatever, what you want to gear you want to do, have at it. Um, and some of the things they're bringing with this update in the post that I uh, shared has some interesting stuff, like um, specifically story-wise, like you were just talking about kind of canon. Um, Return to the Underwater Depths is a highlight on this blog post, and... They say the Sith Empire has invaded Manan to seize its abundance of Kulto. <laughs> so, oh wow, going back to Manan. I mean, that's what I mean, though. Like, um, I'm pretty sure that was like a Knights of the Old Republic. Um, it was. World, I hated it, wasn't it? Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, the like the worst world in Knights of the Old Republic. Yeah. Um, but like, that's what I mean. And when I talk about like pseudo canon, like it still has those connections to Legends um, mm. because it existed in that like realm before Disney purchased it. Um, but it's cool to see that like Disney's not they're not being like super evangelical over their own canon and they're sort of like letting these stories exist in the way that they do um, because I think the people like you said the people who play this game they realize that you know it's not actually canon Star Wars but like you know you're playing your own character so like in a way it's like your own canon I guess yeah and they're cracking it open so like uh, classes aren't as restrictive for weapons like um i i know if you want to dual wield as a jedi or sith you have to pick a specific class they're letting you just do that with any jedi or sith class now um troopers can use any type of weapon any type of gun sorry um and in terms of releasing they're saying that it's free for all subscribers launching holiday this year and legacy of the sith is just the beginning of the 10th year celebration uh, you can expect much throughout next year including regular story updates, PvP updates, uh, Galactic Seasons. So for sure, the game still has some life in it, but this is, like we said, a big milestone. So congrats. Yes, congrats to the Old Republic. Mm -hmm. Many Ten more years to you, and yeah. many more after. See, now what I'm excited for is, I don't want to say I'm excited for this game to shut down, but I'm excited for the potential high republic mmo we could get to explore the high republic you know with maybe updated visuals mm. and potentially a console release for multiplayer like that'd be nice i mean that seemed like i feel like that would be a good next step right maybe at a certain point bioware 
Bioware is like, you know, we kind of like ran the whole Old Republic thing for a while. Uh, like it seems sort of stale. Um, I, I mean, it, obviously, like you said, like it seems to be doing well financially. So it, it doesn't make sense for Disney to be like, you know, cast Bioware out to the side right. and, and like not do anything with them in the future. So, um, I mean, the the settings and the stories that, um, you know, Disney has created for their version of Star Wars, um, including the higher public, like you said, I think would work really well in this sort of MMORPG, um, you know, story like fashion. So I would be really interested in seeing that. I, honestly, like, I feel like if anything would sort of like hook me into that world of like massive multiplayer online games, like it would have to, it would be like a newly released star wars the high republic mmorpg that would be really cool honestly um and probably something that i would get way too into <laughs> yeah and you know hopefully maybe i i think we talked about this before but the division team from ubisoft i imagine their game is higher public and division isn't an yeah. mmo it's more like there's a lot of players that are playing it at the same time and you can cross over with them it's not like traditional wow or 14 or anything like that but yeah i, I think exploring the higher public through a mmo light like destiny or division or a true mmo would be very exciting so yeah like i'm not saying it has to be like you know as hardcore as like a wow or you know or, or even like the old republic for that matter but um something that is like you know multiplayer like like a destiny would be really cool i think for like sure um, so hopefully that's something we get yeah well two hits of fun news for you um star wars the clone wars has been nominated for three daytime emmys um i don't know what the difference is between daytime emmys and normal emmys i don't know if you know i i really don't <laughs> uh the categories that has been nominated for are outstanding writing team for a daytime animated program um music i didn't write the whole category but it was like music for a preschool elementary or young adult animated like series it was a long ass title so i was like okay music and yeah. sound mixing got it <laughs> but right yeah interesting i mean honestly i i think all three of these they have a good chance of, of winning i mean just the music alone was phenomenal for at least season seven of the clone wars mm -hmm. and i'm sure that's probably what they're basing this off of right like season seven, oh yeah, yeah. it was mostly re recently mm -hmm. yeah um outstanding writing team i mean like the, the last four episodes deserve like i don't know i don't know like the medal of honor or something like it that it was really good yeah <laughs> it was quite good so yeah so Congrats i mean the team. This, is, this seems yeah it seems it seems well deserved for for all this and i hope that they win them yeah, I don't know what their competition is, but um, at least in terms of daytime animated programs, I don't know what else has a holds a candle to this. You know, maybe I'm not I'm not ear to the ground on daytime animated programming, but I think they have a good mm. chance. So. Yeah, it's a uh, it's it's Star Wars: The Clone Wars uh, going up against Paw Patrol, um, actually. So. Oh, okay. Well, hey, you know, don't. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm joking. I have no idea. <laughs> uh, um, one thing I, I did want to add, Christian, that I think we may have skipped over, mm -hmm. um, is just it's just like EA Play in general, EA Play, EA Play Live. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I see you have written here on the doc if we expect more out of that. Um, I don't know if we touched on that, um, but do you think that we're going to see any like you know 
anything come out of EA play in terms of Star Wars other than, you know, the old Republic and everything. Yeah. Um, I, I'm because glad I know that there's mm-hmm. been there's been like, you know, some rumors of, of some stuff. So Yeah. Take it away. I'm glad you brought that up. Um because we we have a, a bit of time. I think it's like two weeks away. And already Bioware has come out and they've said like no Dragon Age four, no Mass Effect four. Do not expect either of those from EA Play. So you're already narrowing the pool of what you could show. Like, of course, there's going to be Battlefield 2042. That's their big release this year. Um, mm-hmm. There's rumors of a revival. It sounds like Dead Space is getting rebooted, which oh. is pretty cool. Um, that is very cool. Based off of EA Play Live last year, I think they could center a show around Battlefield dead space and like madden and the sims or something but like they're doing a couple events before ea play live that are dedicated to madden and stuff like that so i think you know we've thrown this possibility around a bit but uh jedi fallen order 2 getting an announcement probably not a trailer but like maybe a logo or a title or a window of 2023 or something like i would expect or literally just one guy one guy going up to another in the stands like <laughs> it did the last time yeah uh, so I, I would expect something on that level be it kotor 2 sorry not kotor 2 fallen order 2 or Balfred 3 getting that sort of we'll see you in 2023 here's a graphic star wars is still a big priority for ea even though you're gonna see star wars games from other people we still make some premium experiences like those battlefront 2 that community loves that game you're gonna get a new one jedi fallen order acclaimed star wars game and actually mike the the whole thing about dead space i know this is a slight tangent but ea apparently they saw the success of fallen order they saw the success of resident evil 2 remake and they were like oh maybe we invest in single player again that's the rumor right now so apparently like because of fallen order and seeing competitors like re2 do a really successful remake of a first per sorry not first person single player story game ea might be revisiting that and they just relaunched the mass effect series so like ea's first i keep saying first person ea story games could be returning and it's thanks to star wars and resident evil so yeah that's that's interesting i never I didn't really think about it like that um i think it's just um it, I would be surprised if like we didn't hear anything about Fallen Order 2 because it's kind of like a given at this point in a way Um, like it's sort of like we know it's going to happen like at some point we just don't know like when Mm -hmm. Um, and it's not I I feel like EA they may have the opportunity at this uh, event to sort of just tell people that you know like hey like don't worry like this is something that we're still working on like and like here's like you know the graphic of the title or something like that right yeah I don't expect to see anything like any gameplay or anything like that um, just because it's been too recent to the release of the first Fallen Order. Um, I think when it comes to either Battlefront 3 or Fallen Order 2, I think we'll more likely see something come out for Fallen Order 2 just because of um, Battlefield and everything is too similar, I think, to Battlefront. Um, I just feel like they would want to maybe save that for next year or a year after that but yeah i would be surprised again like if it, uh, like i said i'd be surprised if we didn't hear anything um though 
I've been wrong in the past. So hopefully, hopefully we see mm -hmm. something come from Fall. I would love to see something come from Fall in Order, honestly. Yeah, and so I think why it's safe to assume because I just did a quick search to see if they've even like vocally said we're making a sequel. I don't know if they have. Um, they absolutely are. I know, but, but um, yeah, it's like so. Like it did so well. Like right, yeah. So like even if they are and they haven't said they are yet um i think it's my reasoning goes back to a conversation we've had before of like we've seen multiple star wars games get announced that are not from ea be well we saw the ubisoft announcement we saw hunters from zynga and there's the rumor that some xbox team is making a mandalorian game right so like there yeah. are those games coming right some of them could be hitting 2023 when the license is no longer exclusively ea and i think as ea a studio who announced mass effect 4 like two years ago <laughs> like i think yeah. they will take that opportunity to be like hey before this new wave hits we gave you a couple good things and we have more coming so you know like they want to still have some claim of ownership over star wars games even if they don't anymore they want you to think they do so yep you can make an announcement to do that i mean they're... totally and i mean like yes there's still a possibility that they will sort of try to flex that like like you're saying i guess you're, you're basically saying that like there's a high probability that ea is just gonna like flex to the world that they still have that star those star wars rights mm -hmm. um so i mean like i think i think like i think you know a fallen order two announcements more likely but you know who's to say that they can't just go out there and be like hey we're working out on fallen order two and battle from three and you'll see them in the next few years and that's it yeah um, and i feel like that would be that would be nice <laughs> honestly this is the this is truly dreaming right but i could maybe see this happen remember how squadrons just came out of nowhere and it was like oh whoa okay weird you think that's going to happen again this year? <laughs> I think, not for this year, but I could maybe see a world where I don't imagine Fallen Order 2 or Battlefront 3 would be 2022 games. And if they drop in 2023, that's good. But there's a chance that Ubisoft drops their game in 2023 also, right? So you are competing to a degree there. I could see a world you are. where EA... Uh, wants to have one, at least one more thing. It's literally a Hail Mary sort of scenario where in 2022, maybe they release a single player only, six to eight hour single player only campaign first person shooter. Like, think Republic Commando. Like, I could maybe see that, you know, have the Squadrons team. Yeah. Just do a, a short, solid, really good republic commando type game and drop that next year while you still have exclusive ownership over this ip totally i mean yeah that is very true i always forget about like the star wars squadrons announcement because it was very random i don't think any of us were really expecting it at all yeah um so yeah who's to say that who's to say that over the past you know five years that you guys had the sole ip rights to star wars video games that they haven't been working on something else um, that they're going to want to like capitalize on you know being the only one to make money off of this mm -hmm. for like the last time yeah um it would be a very ea thing to do yeah let's just put it that way if if i was in the ea board of directors room i would say hey 
whatever you can do one year make whatever campaign you gotta do in one year single player only people will buy it put it out for 40 50 bucks yeah. next year it's only us people will buy it this is our last shot to do this so like why not do it you know yeah you might as well just capitalize on on like you know it's just too much of a too much money is like literally coming out of it so you know you, you, if you're ea and you have those rights it would be kind of silly from a business perspective not to take advantage of it um but it really all depends on like how forward thinking they were um mm-hmm. just because uh you know it does take a lot of resources and a lot of time to make a video game um, yes and so hopefully hopefully they've been working on something because i think they would have had to have been by now mm-hmm. um for that to be even a possibility obviously yeah. um but like yeah like you said squadrons came out out of nowhere mm-hmm. so it's very possible that we'll see something and yes games take a while to make but ea is a massive studio you know so like this is true if it's only a single like no multiplayer if it's a short focused six hour story thing i feel like two years is reasonable so if they started sometime around last year to drop it next year, like this is all from my gut this is based off of nothing but feelings but i think it's a world where ea sees an opportunity to make some money the last time they can and they do it you know you know honestly christian crazier things have happened yeah you know like you know we didn't expect squadrons and that happened so who's to say it can't again we will wait and see later this month when it when is that again uh, just, i just to... believe it's july 22nd i can double check for you real quick but i know it's the later right. portion of july okay all right um interesting cool stuff i'm excited hopefully we get good yeah so uh let's move on to a bit of some news <clears throat> regarding the acolyte which has been popping up a fair amount recently i think leslie yeah. headland the lead of the show because it's weird disney plus maybe doesn't have showrunners it's a weird whole thing but leslie headland is the name spearheading acolyte um yeah recently she was interviewed by the rap and she was talking a lot about her influences and her fandom is a star wars fan and what's interesting mike is she apparently really loves clone wars uh really loves fallen order and she was 18, I think, when The Phantom Menace came out. And she was a huge Star Wars fan when it came out. Oh. And there's a very interesting quote. I recommend reading the whole thing. But there's an interesting quote about her thoughts regarding The Phantom Menace. I will read it, and I would like your thoughts on it. Sure. She said, regarding her viewing of Phantom Menace in 1999, um, I kind of wondered... But what happened to lead up to this? That's kind of where my Star Wars fan brain went. Like, how did we get here? And why are the Jedi like this? When they are in power, why are they acting this way? And how is it that they're not having the reaction that you would think they would to Anakin's presence and what Qui-Gon Jinn is saying about how passionately he feels about training him and bringing him into the fold? And she was also discussing, like, like specifically she details of what led up to it. Um... We talked a lot recently about her view on George Lucas's politics for Star Wars, but she was really being surprisingly analytical in Star Wars, The Phantom Menace. Like, a lot of people glaze over with The Phantom Menace, right? Obviously, the hardcore Star Wars fans that enjoy the politics of Star Wars, the prequels, are like, what does this mean? And she was there. So that's really exciting that she's doing this show, which we think could be a political drama. 
uh it sounds really cool i love that she's this invested with the the weeds and questions of the jedi and all that yes 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 um i think it's not a secret on the show that i'm like one of those very few um but uh not maybe maybe not one of the few but one of the star wars fans that actually really enjoys the politics of it all um and christian i know you are one of these people too but mm. um phantom menace i think is one of the best representations of that like on film like one of the best representations of the um you know weird political um like the weird political climate of the star wars universe is best represented in phantom menace in my opinion um and you know these are the same types of questions that you know i started having um you know as i got older and started watching phantom menace um that's the type of quite these are the type of questions that we've talked about you know during our reviews of the phantom menace um and really anything that has to do with the prequels like how did the jedi get to this point um you know one of the main themes of star wars in general is just like how hubris and power can basically like break you um and, and sort of make you vulnerable to things that you can't see um and so you know really exploring that and exploring like how the jedi fell into that trap is something that i i've always been interested in it's something that i thought master and apprentice which is the book that uh, claudia gray wrote about qui-gon jinn and obi-wan like a few years before the phantom menace sort of dived into a little bit um and it's the sort of stuff that I think really brings a lot more depth and a lot more dynamism to like the Star Wars universe in, as a whole. Like when you start to understand like why the, why the events of the prequels happened, um, like in universe and everything. Um, and it's really it's really welcoming to see Leslie Headland actually think about these questions because it's the, it's the type of stuff that I've been thinking about for a long time. And the type of stuff that I think would make for really a really compelling story if done right. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm excited to see like her interpretation of this, um, because the questions that she's asking, like why are the Jedi acting this way when they're in power, like why are they reacting the way that they are to like Anakin potentially being the chosen one, and like why are they shunning Qui Gon Jinn basically, and why is Qui Gon Jinn shunning them? Like those are the types of things that I think can be you know really explored in detail in the show and i'm excited and i hope that that's like the um i hope that's the direction that they're going and it seems like it yeah i agree with everything you just said i think acolyte is quickly becoming maybe my most anticipated upcoming star wars project because everything i hear about it man uh -huh. they're making some really interesting choices and we talked last week about how she was very vocal about wanting someone in the writer's room who is not a fan of Star Wars. And I love that idea. I know some people freaked out about it. We talked through the potential downsides of that, right? But between that decision, which I think is truly, from a writing perspective, a very smart decision. Um, like, if a Marvel project was like, yeah, we brought somebody in who either hates Marvel or does not like Marvel or is not invested in Marvel, I think that would help whatever project they're working on because you you really get perspectives that the people who are in the weeds can't think about and can't like fathom so hearing that which i think is just universally a good idea for any project franchise specifically moving on to this her previous comments about really loving the way george lucas tackles politics specifically his criticism of you know 
the United States in all the Star Wars movies he did. I yep. I really am interested in this show, dude. And I think, like, obviously I'm excited for Ahsoka. I'm excited for uh, Rogue Squadron. That's going to be a kick-ass time. This, though, I truly think has potential to maybe approach the way I think and look at stuff like The Last Jedi. I know that scares people, but I mean, like, analytically, you know. Mm-hmm. So that makes me excited as a Star Wars fan. Totally. I mean, I think, I think um, you know, my most anticipated thing is still the Obi-Wan series, just by yes. virtue of it being yes, Obi-Wan. But, like, that, that aside, I think that's a given. But that aside, like, definitely the Acolyte is something that I'm interested in, in, in watching. I think you make a really good point, Christian. Like, this has the opportunity to sort of, you know, add a new lens on Star Wars and, and this entire Star Wars Skywalker saga, for that matter, um, that we, like, never really seen before. Like, I just think that this could, this could sort of broaden and, like, give depth to the events of the prequels, which would in turn, like broad like give give more um insight into like why things happened after the fact and like you know why does why is luke the way that he is in the last jedi right like because he Mm -hmm. talks about the hubris of the jedi and all that kind of stuff um so it has an opportunity to really recontextualize the entire star uh, skywalker saga and i think that's like a really big thing to have on your shoulders as like a showrunner um i think it's like very daunting it's a big challenge but like i've said a million times on this podcast like star wars at its core is political it's political commentary and um you know i think star wars is best when it doesn't shy away from from you know really getting into the weeds and sort of like explaining you know just building the 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 world into a way that is more um dynamic and just i don't know it's just I'm not finding the right words for it, but it's just really exciting, to be honest. No, absolutely. I was just, like, smiling ear to ear hearing you talk about Luke and the last shit I did. Like, I I really yeah. think, like, the events of the show, you're absolutely right, will probably tie into what he saw and what made him believe the way he believed. And whether that be Plagueis playing a, a role in this show, Sheev in his younger days, like the the logo is clearly sith based i think we're gonna see the perspective of what it was like to try and observe the jedi and play the jedi uh that led to the prequels happening and falling like that's such an exciting idea i have so much faith in her her writing team and just lucasfilm with this project and it is obi-wan aside because it's obi-wan he's my favorite character like you said this is the most exciting project right now i think because it has so much potential yeah, I think when you said when you said play the Jedi, it's perfect. Like we know that they lose, mm-hmm. right? Basically, um, like it's just like how like like just just seeing how like we know how, but like seeing how in like a more detailed and visual way is going to be really exciting. I think absolutely. Um, and like I said, I think it has the potential to recontextualize really everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a definitely a daunting task, but really exciting, I think. For sure. And final thing, I this conversation has me excited, and I know people will hate this show. And oh yeah, 
like I know people will hate this show, but it's because it's gonna be good. That's the thing. <laughs> like, uh, people, yeah, that's the thing about Star Wars. People, people always seem to hate the Star Wars that ends up being good. Right. So let's just uh, put that there. <laughs> um, keep listening to Jedi Knights, and Christian and I will will probably gush all over the show when it comes. When Absolutely. It comes uh, well, another show that I'm sure we will have some stuff to gush over is Star Wars Visions. We got our first look, as we learned we would, at Anime Expo. It is releasing on Disney Plus this September. Um, I don't know if it's dropping all at once, but I don't think there's been a Disney Plus show that's done that yet. But the initial release, we will have some of the show in September. There was a teaser trailer that showed a lot of concept art and previews for certain episodes, interviews with some of the creators... Um, I have all the titles and studios listed. We can run through those real quick and talk about the one we're most excited for. And then general discussions on the teaser. I guess we can start with that. What do you think of the teaser? I thought the teaser was really cool. Um, I I sort of liked the interviews that they did with some of the people who are working on um, these these projects. Um, I just... It was filled with really interesting concept art. Um, I... I was just smiling basically the entire time like watching it because it seems like these are people who love Star Wars and who are really interested in like creating something in their own art style that is like unique and that is true to Star Wars and uh, we've talked about this previously on the podcast I think it's really interesting whenever any IP sort of like challenges its own artistic structure and sort of like has a different sort of a a different medium come in and tell a story based in that universe and i think star wars is obviously rich for that um and just based off of like what we're seeing in this trailer and everything it looks beautiful it looks like it's going to work really well and i'm excited to just see like the small stories that these studios come up with that are taking place in the star wars universe yeah and uh i didn't get a chance to read through all of the uh, history of some of these studios but i know one of them uh works on like jojo's bizarre adventure which is a very popular anime um trigger is doing a couple of these they did kill a kill um they're working on the cyberpunk anime little witch academia i know is a popular one so like they're getting studios that have like some pretty large fan bases so that's also going to be an interesting thing right like Star Wars, I think, compared to Marvel, doesn't have as much of a global appeal. And that's why box office differentials between Star Wars and Marvel are the way they are. But I think being able to reach out to Japan and some of the audiences that really love these studios' work and seeing them tackle Star Wars could be a good gateway to the fandom, you know, and just work on expanding Mm. Star Wars to be more than just a Western-focused franchise, which it has been historically, you know absolutely that's that's a very good analysis of it for sure um i think i I also think that just looking at the 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 trailer like this art style like the anime art style in general just i think works really well with star wars because Mm -hmm. if you think about it like the like i don't know like a lot of anime has its roots in japanese culture and all that kind of stuff and george lucas has like sort of talked about the jedi being sort of akin to like the samurai of like their age basically mm-hmm. so i think there are a lot of connections in just the um you know the story itself or, or just like you know the base material mm-hmm. um and just the art style of 
anime in general, I think just goes really well, well with uh, the fantastic sci-fi-ness of Star Wars. And it just looks really beautiful in a lot of these concept arts and stuff. Exactly. Well, why don't we run through the studios and their respective episode titles? Uh, we don't have runtimes, you know, shorts, short films have been thrown around a lot. Again, that could be a wide range of time, but these are yeah. all the projects. Um, Trigger is working on a short called The Elder. Uh, Kinema Citrus mm -hmm. is doing The Village Bride, which I think they talked about, like, some of these having some drastically different tones which is very interesting mm -hmm. um studio colorido is doing tattooing rhapsody which is an excellent title um yeah gino studio is working on lop and ocho science saru is doing tob1 i'm assuming that is toby like the name for a droid um ah yeah mm -hmm. production ig the ninth jedi uh, Trigger is also working on The Twins, which got highlighted in the, the sizzle reel. Kamikaze Doga is working on The Duel, and Science Saru is working on another one called Akakiri. So, some of these got more spotlight than others in the trailer. I imagine Toby T0B1 is the one that its creator was compared to Astro Boy, you know, the anime of the, the little robot kid. Um not familiar unfortunately okay but... <laughs> i feel like if you saw astro boy you'd recognize him because it was like a popular 90s 80s thing um but yeah astro boy there's a childlike looking droid in one of these uh shorts uh oh yeah i've seen astro boy before mm -hmm. um but yeah i, I not familiar with what you're talking about in terms of like its connection to stars but continue i didn't mean to interrupt sure. um so the village bride i think is a story about romance so we could get some shades of anakin padme perhaps um maybe uh the duel i believe this is the correct one it's uh, a master and apprentice go somewhere some planet and they find some old unknown enemy that has like daggers like double lightsaber daggers or something like that it seems like a very interesting concept so that's actually the elder i think Thank you, and that's okay. the one that i'm looking forward to the most mm -hmm. um just because it gives me like really hot like master and apprentice like obi-wan and <laughs> qui-gon vibes um and the the villain like does have like these really cool like lightsaber daggers so mm -hmm. very very sick um triggers the twins was spotlighted and the interview says that they're basically there's these twins that are twins of the dark side so i don't know how much that'll go off on like if that's gonna lead to one becoming a jedi one becoming a sith which is always a great concept for twins in star wars that'd be very cool um i think i don't know if they gave a pitch for this one but i'm being honest mike tatooine rhapsody might be the one i'm looking forward to the most because that's an excellent title and they did in the scissor reel compare one of these things to a like a rock ballad or something like that and i think that is probably the one it's gotta be i right? mean yeah it's like a bohemian rhapsody but like not <laughs> yeah so that's a killer title so all these sound very interesting i'm excited to see all of them but for you do you think the elder is the highlight um, at least from the um, 
the trailer, which was like three minutes long. So it didn't really give us that big of a insight into like what each of these are going to be about. But uh, the elder did get sort of a spotlight and the the concept art for that looks really cool. And also just the villain, the way that they were talking about it seemed like they really they put a lot of work into it. So, I mean, I'm excited for the elder in all seriousness, though. Is there one that I'm like more looking forward to than the other? Probably not. Like, I'm just excited to see all of them, just take all of them at face value. Um, mm -hmm. Like this, this trailer, like I said, just kind of sold me on it. Um, they all, I'm sure, will be very different from one another. And I think that's going to be a lot of the fun in watching it. Um, just seeing like different interpretations on the galaxy. My question is, um, do you think like, and you kind of talked about it previously, but do you think they're all going to be released at once? Or do you think they're going to be released weekly? I really don't know, man. I, I, cause there's a couple studios that are doing multiple, um, I don't know mm -hmm. if they would like package those together if they want to do like three a week because streaming services have a weird uh, variance in terms of how they release their shows. Like Netflix has messed with the all at once drop. Uh, I watched The Circle this year and that was like four episodes a week for like a month. So I really don't know. Disney Plus, to my knowledge, has only done weekly with the exception of a couple episodes for shows dropping two in a week like bad batch did that i think clone wars did that um so yeah i don't know i think it would maybe make sense to drop them all at once but i i think there would be much more anticipation around like one a week because you get a new take on star wars every week that's really exciting and i think you'd own conversation as long as they all hit which i assume most will hit for a group of people you know but yeah i mean i that's the thing i really don't know what they're going to do part of me like hopes that they just release them all at once mm -hmm. uh, just because i think that would just be cool to be able to to pick and choose like which ones you want to watch at first um based sure. off of just i don't know just off of feel and then watch the rest of them um but then again like like you said the i really like the weekly tv um like with loki and the mandalorian and the bad batch and wandavision what have you i like the anticipation of that so yeah. I, I i think i'd be fine with either just based off of what disney plus has been doing for other tv shows seems like it will be like a weekly thing mm -hmm. um but because it's a bit different uh, it might be all at once I, i'd be happy with either to be honest yeah so. i i think so far out of everything disney plus has done both this and marvel what if seem like the ones that would make sense to drop all at once because i think the show is very comparable to marvel what if where it's like yeah marvel what if is animated it is maybe canon maybe not like multiverse is at play so it could be the way that this is like it's i think it's canon like lucasfilm signed off on all these um but yeah like these are probably canon i would say yeah so I think for the, the scope of this project, it reminds me of Marvel What If, where it's like each one is its own thing. It's a weird new take on Star Wars, or Marvel in that case. So maybe they do drop them all at once, but as far as I know, that show, Marvel What If, is weekly, so I could see this be weekly too. We'll have to wait and see. Yeah, I guess we're going to have to wait. I'm excited either way, though. Um, <laughs> speaking of which, Marvel What If looks pretty sick. Oh, so, hell yeah. That's going to be secret. Black Panther Star-Lord? Please. <laughs> hell yeah. Yes. Uh, was it Captain Britain or whatever? Yeah, Peggy Carter's Captain Britain. <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah. Uh, so cool. 
Well, speaking of animation, why don't we get to Bad Batch episode 10? Uh, that is the most recent episode of the Bad Batch that has dropped this past week. Um, I guess yes, sir. general thoughts, spoiler-free. I, I don't know how much there is to spoil this week, but uh, what do you think of this episode, Mike? Um, you know, I, I think we talked about it just a little bit before um, this this ep- we started recording this episode i've started to really like these uh, you know bad batch episodes i think it had like a pretty rough start to begin with um you know people who watch this show christian you know i wasn't really like, super hot on like you know episode two and episode three um but after that i think it started to ramp up and this i i thought was especially interesting as one who really likes the politics of star wars it was very cool to see like the capital of the confederacy of independent systems um sort of dealing with this like massive shakeup in organ in government organization um if you think about it just like probably a few weeks before they were fighting the Republic and now the Republic and them are underneath, you know, the empire. And so sort of seeing how different planets across the galaxy are dealing with that um, is really interesting. And I thought it was a very cool set piece for the bad batch to do some cool bad batch stuff. Uh, So I, I for one really liked it. Um, I don't know if you're as, as hyped about it as I am Christian, but I was kind of at the edge of my seat. I really like, I'm really enjoying these to be honest. It's, it's fun to get like a quick hit of star Wars every week. Yeah, that's exactly it. Right. Um, I think we talk about it every week, but expectations were a big thing going into the show off of season seven of clone wars and out the gate. I thought it opened really strong. I was okay with the lull because what you just said, like quick hit of star Wars every week. Um, I think we've been on an upswing since the mid-season point. Um, and yeah, I, I did enjoy seeing the scenario because I think this episode was much more about the nitty-gritty of what's going on in the galaxy right now, right? Because um, we do get insight into the Separatists, how that is all going down in the transition of everything. And specifically, I thought it was interesting because Echo was the dissenter kind of this week, right? And he was the one who was struggling a bit more with the idea of the the seppies because echo's origins in this group is the most regular of all of them right like he didn't have a mutation his whole deal is he was experimented on after the fact but he does have his upbringing his morals rooted in the standard clone order procedure which i do think is interesting and i'm glad that they're not Maybe they're not, like, directly commenting on that, but that's a part of his character, and I'm glad that if he is the dissenter, in my mind, that is the reason why, you know? Because yeah, the rest of the Bad Batch, like, Hunter made that call to let Kanan go. I don't know 100% if Echo would have made that call in Hunter's shoes, right? Like, if it was Echo and Crosshair, I don't know if Echo would have folded under Crosshair's... Uh, persistence you know like so i think having him after all this time even post inhibitor chip removal like still having some moral issues as himself is really interesting so that was the highlight of the episode for me and Mm -hmm. i I did enjoy that a lot absolutely man i i think it's just like i think the beginning of this season i think the beginning of the bad batch did a really good job at sort of talking about like oh like now like there's an empire like what the hell is going on like from the bad batch's perspective 
you know, now everybody's got a chain code and like, it seems like, you know, there's some nefarious stuff going on and it's just cool to have them sort of like re go through that. Like they have to sort of like, they still have the reservations as, as like Republic, like former Republic soldiers to, you know, being against saving a separatist Senator and having them sort of like having to go over that and like overcome that feeling. I think was really cool um just because earlier in the season they did focus a lot on that but it seemed to sort of die down but the fact that they're focusing on you know the transition period uh right after order 66 i think is i don't know i just really dig it and getting into like the episode just a little bit i i just thought it was like a really cool i don't know like just action episode i i was at the edge of my seat the entire time i it's just cool to like be in this world and like feel like you're just completely sucked into it. And I don't know. I just, I just, I'm really digging it to be honest. I don't really have much to say about this episode in particular, because it kind of just like all ends up the way that like you would expect it to. Right. Um, but just the fact that they're really diving deeper into all these bigger questions, I think is just fun, honestly. Yeah. And I completely agree. And I think that this show is filling that part of canon in a way that i don't think many people expected it to of like i know you and i when it was announced were like how do they react like what happens with them in order 66 we've never seen the immediate fallout explored before and i think there was a world where this could very easily have been literally mandalorian of like week to week it's that exact same thing and we're getting to a point where we bring this child somewhere which we could still be going there but i think bad batch is doing a better job that's maybe a more consistent job of fleshing out the state of the galaxy at the time period of this show than mandalorian has so far with the new republic which we like we've gotten a couple episodes right like the beginning of season two the Cobb Vanth stuff, seeing the the news report of the Death Star blowing up, that was interesting. <laughs> but yeah, I feel like aside from that, we haven't gotten much. Like we do get the Rangers that are following Mando a bit, but like that compared to what we're learning here, and like the actual, like you said, perspective of the losers of the war is really interesting. You know, because we're getting to see totally insight that we never really have had before you know we've seen this era explored with fallen order and solo and all that but never from the perspective of people who literally had to like turn coat because they were turned coat on you know yeah it's just like a endless cycle of backstabbing (laughs) and then betrayal and all that kind of stuff but but like i said it's like cool to have to uh, you know the beginning of the season sort of focused on that from the bad batches perspective and like the sort of questions and things that they had to go through as a, as a squad um having previously worked i don't know exclusively for for the republic um you know that seemed to have gone away for a few episodes but you know bringing that back to them and sort of having them have to deal with that new way um having to deal with like the question of do we help our former enemy who's now maybe our common friend, like mm-hmm. who now maybe we share a common enemy with yeah. um, is really interesting. And I don't know, it just adds a little bit more to the time period, I think, um, which I'm all, I'm all here for. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm hoping that this undercurrent, maybe not this season, but potentially future seasons, I do hope we get to explore that transition of 
the separatists to the -hmm. rebellion because there absolutely is some sort of crossover between the factions of the separatists during the war against the republic to those who fought in the rebellion so i I do think it'd be very interesting to explore i hope we get there eventually this episode had my mind sparking that way of like ooh, are we gonna get something maybe sometime but yeah i liked it yeah i mean the the rebellion rebellion definitely i'm i'm sure that there are some major separatist figures who are part of that and maybe you know what was it what was his name avi singh in this like a senator from raxis in this episode maybe mm-hmm. he's like a leading member of the rebellion we just are about to see at the beginning of the story you know mm-hmm. yeah that'd be very cool because we've seen the origins of the rebellion explored uh in the force unleashed you know uh i think we got yeah teases in like episode two of the bad batch right with saw Gerrera. maybe that was episode one i forget but like i feel like this show has the opportunity to set that up and i think if not season one eventually and this episode i think was a nice little um a little more seasoning on that tease that was the the saw Gerrera rebellion so yeah definitely well, I was I was a big fan of this episode, and I'm excited for the rest of the ones that are coming up. Hopefully, we can see more Crosshair, though. I'm yeah. Restart Crosshair Watch. <laughs> yes, warranted. Uh, we got what six episodes left, so we'll have to keep an eye out. But yeah. Until then, Mike, where can everybody find you? You can follow me on Twitter at Mike P Connors. Very nice. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, Twitch, and TikTok at Chun2D2, as well as here, youtube.com slash joyclicks for the video version of Jedi Knights every Tuesday here on the channel and its dedicated playlist alongside the playlists for Excelsior, our Marvel podcast, Gamescast, our video game show, and a host of others. If you want the audio version, though, you can check it out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, your service of choice. If you can rate or review on your platform, it would be appreciated because it does help us out quick second to tap five stars if you enjoy the show um and honestly writing a review is very quick as well so there you go but patreon.com slash joyclicks is where you can go to support us further at the one and five dollar tiers five dollar tier gives you producer credit on this show and every show we do like chris sakas aaron easton and charles applin so thank you very much and that is gonna do it for jedi knights episode 88 um i did see one last fun little quick hit breaking news from walt disney world yeah oh yeah galaxy's edge has new food new food items on that menu so oh my gosh wait i think we're gonna have to look at into it a little bit next episode maybe oh absolutely we, we will have some some hot takes some opinions on what i should order this fall <laughs> hot takes on hot food oh hell yeah but uh until then we're fine everything's fine how are you May the force be with you. Oh, yes, 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 you're right. Beep is up.